Welcome to Soul Talk. This is the podcast where we discuss that which is most fundamental to who and what we are, souls. Listen, we aren't our bodies or our personalities or our abilities, even though we like to try to make those things where we find stability quite often. Nope. We are souls at our core, you know, (laughs) an amalgamation of thoughts, feelings, character, processes, morality, experiences, reactions, emotions, decisions, our spirit. And when we process life at that level, folks, we're wise. That's where wisdom comes from, which is what my guest today is incredible at doing. So that's why I'm so excited to have him on. But processing wounding at the soul level is much harder, honestly, than at the surface level. You can see why, right? On the surface, I can just kind of stay mad at my friend for losing my possession or frustrated at the company for violating boundaries. But when we process such things on the soul level, we realize that life's challenges actually touch our souls with things deeper like rejection, betrayal, abandonment. And dealing with those is much more difficult. But when you do deal with your wounds at the soul level where they in actuality, in real life are, then true healing can occur. And you can walk free from their effects or even better in the places where wounding had occurred, believe it or not. And this is a message of hope that I hear that even the person that's struggling the deepest can identify with today. No matter the level of wounding, no matter the level of pain, there's hope there. So my friend Chris Old, he's an expert in this. And honestly, I don't use that word lightly. He lives this out every day of his life personally and in his passionate profession as a pastor. I don't think in all the years that I've known him that there has ever been a conversation where Chris hasn't in some way brought the soul level reality in. So let me introduce you to this powerhouse of a soul attuned to Jesus, willing to deal with the deep stuff. Chris is the lead pastor of Awaken Church, where he served for the last 10 years. Prior to that, he was a youth director of another church, and he's been in ministry, I think, his whole adult life. Right, Chris? That's correct. Yeah, he has three amazing kids. Uh, Their names are Anna, Timmy, and Josiah, ages 19, 18, and 15, and a stunning, charismatic, and energetic companion in his wife, Becky. Uh, A sports diehard, he loves coaching his son's baseball teams, but it is Chris's passion for lost people to encounter a loving Christ that drives all he does, like coming here today to talk to us about how a soul navigates the wound of abandonment in particular. So I say to you, Chris, welcome. I'm so, as you know, very glad to have you. Oh, it always does good for me to see you, Tammy. So glad to be here. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm giddy. So tell us, Chris, how you became so you know passionate about things of the soul and living from the place, uh, that place, your soul. And uh, also, we'd love to hear how it's a part of the work you do with people every day in your pastoral ministry, even. Whatever you want to say about that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm sure I'll get into this a little bit later, but I had a very difficult childhood where um, I didn't feel safe expressing really what was going on in the heart. And after I came to know Christ, uh, while I had a a very radical conversion and the Lord really freed me from many things, I still was what I'd like to call emotionally constipated. Uh, (laughs) 
And the Lord had to do a lot of work to, to free me from that. Um, so the, the process that the Lord used to break me free of that and really expose me to a three-dimensional relationship with the Lord that was more than just happy and sad. By three dimensions, I mean uh, the dimension where confusion is allowed, doubt is allowed, struggle is allowed. Uh, once mm-hmm. I experienced the Lord meeting me and actually conversing with him, where I heard from him through others, through his word, through prayer, uh, I wanted to pass that on. Uh, so now it's a part of my everyday discipleship and friendship with other people where uh, uh, the Lord's taught me how to ask good questions through people like you, Tammy, and, and through other ministries over the years and to draw them out um, and, and show them that Jesus really does want to dive into even the darkest spots and uh, wants to bring them to a place of of a, a three-dimensional relationship as well. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners are like, oh, now I can see why she loves him so much and why she's so excited to have him on. Yeah, truly. I mean, for all of us, just as you're saying, our stories do play a huge part in how God gets us to where he wants us. So keep going. Like, I I have heard some of your story before, but spending time discussing what topic we might come around in this podcast and getting to hear more of your story only enriched my understanding of how you have come to be, honestly, Chris, such a warrior of the soul. So do you mind? Just keep going. Would you mind sharing your story and and just even more of, yeah, keep telling us how it's led you to where you are today. Well, thanks, Tammy. You know, it really is a kindness and a gift to be able to share your story. This will probably um, uh, maybe allow me to see the Lord's work in my life, maybe even more so than anybody mm. listening here. So I appreciate it. That's so great. Uh, probably like many of your listeners, I was raised in a Christian home and I was at church every Sunday and barely heard a word or at least barely remembered a word. To me, it was kind of like poetry. And what I mean by that is uh, I was your typical jock. Uh, if you were to ask me, Chris, what's going on in your life, uh, I'd probably say something about baseball or girls. Uh, and my only question for other people is, what time is the game and where are the babes? Uh, so I was deep. you know, I was a, I was a deep young man. And church was just kind of in the way for people who needed a social life. Or so, I mean, I don't know. I didn't even really think a whole lot about it. And in the midst of that... Uh, my brother was and is an alcoholic. Um, he's eight years older than me. And it was pretty rough, Tammy. I mean, I have to tell you, mm. um, I felt very unprotected. So to kind of put it in perspective, I was 10 years old and he was 18. And we uh, shared the same bedroom. Uh, and I, I remember, just to maybe give you a, a bird's eye view of mm. what it was like, I remember having this metal toy gun underneath the covers with me. And I remember thinking, Mm. if he comes in here in his drunken rage, I'm going to kill him. Um, I mean, and, and, you know, I won't dwell on this too much, but I remember my dad and my brother fist fighting, blood all over the place, uh, broken windows, broken hands. my brother drugged me along the carpet until my back bled, knocked me unconscious many times. And uh, I developed uh, quite a callousness 
to allowing myself to express vulnerability. Wow, yeah. I saw that as weakness. Mm. And um, I think the lie that I believed was, Chris, you're not worth protecting. Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, and if if you don't protect yourself, nobody else will. Um, So, But I had to feel, right? We're feeling creatures. We're made for pleasure. And so my addiction of choice was sex. Uh, By Before any of my friends were having sexual experiences, I was. And then, uh, you know how the story goes from here. Uh, I went to a a youth conference in Myrtle Beach that you and I were heavily involved in together (laughs) for years, Tammy. So many years ago. Wow. Yes. Such, such sweet, sweet times. Yeah, really. And uh, uh, so I'm I'm 16 and I'm, I'm going to this youth retreat and I was going for, you guessed it, my parents I'm, are going to pay for it, and a girl. Yes, very good. <laughs> and I had I had played on the youth softball team, and there was you know I kind of had some fun with those folks, and uh, it's kind of funny as a side story here. My mom told me, "Okay, Chris, you have to try the youth group three times," and I thought that youth group was for nerds, for kids who couldn't find friends at school yeah. or in sports. Well, I went three times and fell in love with it. And oh. so I went on this youth retreat, not knowing what I was getting myself in for, uh, in, or into rather. Um, and somehow the Holy Spirit impressed on me before I went that something amazing was going to happen. Oh, wow. I mean, I remember making out with a girl that I had just met at a bowling alley <laughs> the day before. Okay. I mean, that's where my life was at, (laughs) but I knew like my life is never going to be the same. Mm. I I just knew. Wow. Um, That's cool. And it was, God just loved bomb me. Um, And for the first time I realized how much Jesus loved me, how Mm. he had been pursuing me um, and his grace uh, became real. I Mm. knew the condition of my soul. I knew that I could do nothing to deserve mm. his pursuit of me. And uh, I, I bet I wept a gallon of tears. Wow. Uh, I mean, it was, and I was not the crying type, as you can probably imagine. Yeah, right. But, well, can I, can I interject yeah, there? Because oh, absolutely. I feel like something has already richly come out of your story, but it's, a, it's an undercurrent. It's a sub-theme. So you talked about yourself as emotionally constipated, right? Mm-hmm. And I think... What happens when we don't pay attention to the fact that we are emotional creatures, just like we're physical creatures, just like we're spiritual creatures, just like we're intellectual creatures? We do. We become stunted that way, Mm -hmm. like you're talking about. And in our society, particularly years ago, but even to some degree today, men in general were given the message through media, through shows, through movies, all of it that there are two things to do with your emotions that are okay. And both of those are apparent in your story. One is anger, Mm -hmm. to have them come out in anger. That if you're having an emotion like, okay, you can be angry or to sexualize your emotions. Mm -hmm. And those are two things that just came forward in your story. And so I think it's really important to realize uh, that sometimes we are given pictures about what we can do with our emotions that 
literally do not take care of our emotions. Mm -hmm. We're sexual beings and emotional beings. Therefore, our emotional self cannot be completely cared for as we sexualize those needs mm -hmm. or spiritualize them. It's like we have to pay attention to who we are in that regard. And so I think it's just fascinating what you said about uh, the fact that you, you could tell. It was like, okay, what else am I going to do with my emotions? Mm -hmm. And that's where they went, to the sexual, which is seriously in our culture, the two pictures that often men are given. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, it's after I came to know Christ, Tammy, I'm glad that you highlighted those two things, anger and um, sexuality gone crazy. Um, that anger did not leave me mm. after I came to know Christ. Mm -hmm. I wasn't fighting anymore. I wasn't punching people in the face who yeah, made right, me mad. Right. But it did, it was internalized. And the, I think the way it came out is I would, as I started growing in Christ, I was applying the discipline that I had developed through athletics to my Christian walk. Whoa, I, that's huge. That's a great awareness. And oh yeah, huge. Yeah. So I, 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 I like to think of myself back then as, as what I call a Navy SEAL Christian. It was all about my effort. And the mm. more I accomplished, yeah, yeah, yeah. the more pats on the back I got yeah. from, from caring Christian adults. And uh, so that anger kind of got internalized. I wasn't uh, acting out sexually with, uh, with, with young women, but uh, there's a lot of closet stuff. There was mm -hmm. a lot of closet stuff before mm -hmm. the day and age of porn. I mean, right. I think if it had been today, I probably would have had to have been institutionalized. So there, there was a lot of work that the, mm. that the Lord did over years to, to get me to the place where I could come to God as I am, not as I am trying to be. Yeah. So. That is huge. That's huge. Yeah. And so I think, you know, what you've done here is such a great job of spelling out how our wounds can shape us by lies that we've come to believe or even vows that we make deep inside sometimes without realizing it. You know, you said something about the lie, like I'm not worth protecting mm -hmm. or I'm the only one that can actually take care of myself and I have to, you know, and just think about the younger some version of that narrative gets placed in your soul, what starts to develop in you as you grow, you know? And so it's fascinating. Your story is showing us that we can build all sorts of even good God stuff on top of the lies. But if we do not ferret those lies out, just like you're saying, your anger was still there. They will at some point be revealed. And that point for you, I think, came when the pain of another wound uh, proved too great to carry them both. Is that a more, what I'm remembering about your story? Yeah, Tammy, that was it. You know, I, I was able to kind of manage my life and my struggles uh, on my own, although I didn't, uh, I didn't in, intend to manage my life on my own. But in hindsight, that that's what I was doing. I really was not leaning on the Holy Spirit. Um, so I'm 23 years old. Here, here was kind of the tipping point for me where uh, healing became a big part of my story. Mm. Uh, soul healing became a um, really a, a, a faith monument in my life. Uh, so I'm 23. I married Becky at 19. Uh, had a house. I had my first child. Then again, there at 23. Uh, had just started wow. in full-time youth ministry. And at th that time, my dad was uh, definitely one of my best friends. Uh, he was 
uh, very active in serving the Lord, uh, would share the gospel at the at a nursing home that he oh, liked wow. to go to every yeah. week, in the word every day, in prayer, you know, uh, really a model of the Christian life and a pillar in our church. And uh, he experienced uh, a loss of a good friend. And uh, through that and through the uh, what what came out during that time, he, he left my mom for another woman. Really, I mean, practically mm. overnight. Uh, and I remember, Tammy, I mean, mm. my pastor at that time in the courtroom when my parents were divorcing, I was assaulting my dad, literally assaulting my dad because my sister passed out. Oh. And it was in that moment where, oh. I mean, I very easily could have been arrested. That is so uh, and I'm I'm a pastor at this point, or I mean I'm in full time ministry. I'm a I'm a youth worker, and my pastor's right there pulling me off my dad. Uh, and that's where my Navy SEAL Christianity didn't work. I really, I mean, I remember late at night being up, uh, writing in my journal, and I've told my wife, "Honey, if if I die." burn the journals because they're probably like R, mm. maybe a little over R. I mean, I started talking to God like I would an enemy. Um, you know, because it was like, everyone would say, Chris, well, why don't you just forgive my dad? Or, you know, why don't you just forgive your dad? And uh, I was trying. Yeah. I mean, at least in terms of my will. Right. I felt like I'd forgiven him. But I, I mean, my gain, my gums were inflamed. I had uh, 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 digestive issues. I was, you know, waking up in the middle of the night with my fist clenched, oh. dreaming of killing my dad. Oh. And I mean, what do you do about that? Those are all things that you can't right. necessarily right. control. Now, I could control the fact that I was throwing stuff r- across the room, bloody in my knuckles on the walls in the basement. And, you know, th- that I could <laughs> wow. control. Yeah. But I did not feel like there was anything mm. I could do. Um, and so uh, at that time, another thing the Lord used to get my attention is, I wasn't really able to do a whole lot in ministry, but the ministry grew more than it ever had. Um, and uh, it was in that time that I saw, man, this is not about me. Yeah, I'm able right. to do less than ever, yeah. and the Lord is still uh, uh, using his people. And so at that time, the Lord exposed me to a variety of different ministries, including yours, Tammy. And I, I'll never forget being at this uh, 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 ministry that you did years ago for young college students over the summer. And it was called Soul Connection. There'd be this big circle <laughs> and you would just prophetically be, you know, uh, John, you have something to tell Sarah, I think from the Lord. And then Sarah's crying, you know, and, I, and I'm standing back there and I'm thinking, I don't know what this woman's drinking, but I'll take a double, you know, I, and I'm like cheating, even though I'm not necessarily a part of it, you know, because I'm supposed to be managing things. Um, and so it was that. It was other ministries, other books. I just started consuming anything I could on mm. what does it mean to dive deeper? You know, I lived in the Psalms. I, I learned that it was okay to have rough conversations with God. Yes. And to pray things not only that I knew to be true but also things that I felt to be true. Yeah. I used to think all that mattered was knows to be true. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, God showed me it really matters that I communicate to him what I feel to be true. Yeah. And uh, it was during that time that my, as I mentioned earlier, I feel like my walk with the Lord became three, three-dimensional. Well, and, and it just reminds me, it sounds like you were 
psalmist-like at that yeah. time. You know, there are so many psalms of lament. And if we translated that, those psalms, mm-hmm. into modern-day vernacular, <laughs> that's some eye-raising stuff there. Yes, yes, uh, Because point. literally those songs were used in worship, and it just tells me that our God would rather have us up close and personal, arguing in his face, so to speak, mm-hmm. screaming at him, rather than feeling like we got to go over here and be Navy Steel Christian, get it all together, yep. and work it all out, and get ourselves all prettied up before we come back to him. That is not the God we serve. The God we serve is the prodigal father, like looking the horizon for us, just wanting us to come home. Mm. It doesn't even matter if it's been, we've been gone for a minute or we've been gone for years. He wants us to come home. Mm-hmm. He wants us to come home. That's solid. Yeah. And so to that point, we all want to be home. Mm-hmm. I, and I think, honestly, as I sort of think about my work with people and just getting to share in the heart of so many people, I don't think there's a deeper fear, Chris, than abandonment. Mm-hmm. It just, it solidifies so many of our deepest, you know, can't even really put it to words, fears about, am I lovable? Am I likable? Am I okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's why evil gets so much room with that particular threat. We live with such deep fear of abandonment, rejection, that, that if rejected, we'll be left utterly alone with no one to love us. Yeah. Abandonment sears to deep places. And so I love how you referred um, you know, as yourself as a scared little boy, because I've seen time and again in my office that no matter how big or put together or how smart or successful or intelligent someone is, there is so very often a scared little girl or boy inside of us. Mm-hmm. So desperate. We just want someone not to leave. Desperate for them to be the ones to prove the message to us that we're lovable or valuable. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just think about that's essentially what you're facing. Little Chris, big Chris. Little Chris was stuck inside big Chris. Little Mm -hmm. Chris was the one hurting so much. And that you're facing the wound of abandonment. So I'd love for you to kind of share whatever you're willing to about how did the Lord meet you in that place, Chris, the place of abandonment, that wound of kind of ultimate rejectability, because we're talking about a parent here. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, uh, I just want to say as a disclaimer, um, the Lord met me and I'll share some things here, but it was not pretty. It was messy and uh, it it was painful. That's so good because I think when we hear people who give testimonies of having gone through something and feeling closer to the Lord, we think it's sort of, you know, butterflies and sunshine and lollipops. Right. It's not. Yes. It's ugly. Yeah. That's so good. Thank yeah, it, you, Chris. It, it's not a sitcom that's you know on and on, and then everything <laughs> turns out good in a, a, a week. Uh, so the big the big thing the Lord used through a variety of different uh, sources is verses on the love of Christ that refathered me. Yeah, I would memorize them. I would go over uh. them. Sometimes I might spend a whole week on just one verse. Um, Literally, I want to point out to the listener the the word you just whipped off there. You said refathered me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, it was. You know, I was at a place where, uh, to put it in perspective, um, so my dad left, my number one mentor, my pastor stepped down, who had married me and Becky, um, who had hired me, and who was my mentor, who we met with weekly. And 9-11, oh, all wow. in the same month. 
And, you know, here I am, new job, uh, first child, first house, and trying to figure out how to manage these damaged emotions, full-time ministry, and a family. Wow. And, uh, uh, I mean, it, it wasn't a matter for me of maybe feeling like, it would be better for me to pursue Christ than to try to manage it on my own. It was, I could not manage it on my own. Yeah, I right. mean, I was at the end of my rope. There, there was no way I could maintain all of those different things that God had, had given to me, all those responsibilities. So reading these verses on the love of Christ, uh, I started letting other people into my life and sharing what was really going on. Mm. Um, and allowing them to minister to me. And sometimes that was professional help. That was a Christian Mm -hmm. counselor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it was books, but more often than not, it was trusted Christian friends Mm. where we went beyond the surface stuff and, and talked about what was really going on, what we were struggling with, lies that we believed. We'd pray over one another deeply and I mean, really go to war. Uh, for one another and and root out lies and let the Lord communicate his truth in real time uh, with with one another. So those were some profound worship services. I didn't know you could worship like that. Yeah. I didn't know you could worship with snot and tears and <laughs> and, the, and a brother laying his hands on mm. you and uh, communicating truth from, from God's word. Uh, th- there was two verses in particular, two passages. Psalm 27, uh, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Oh. Uh, the Lord just, he spoke that to my mind, but he, he spoke that so much deeper than that. That verse would, would sometimes even come to me in my dreams. Wow. Honestly. He um, will do that. I have seen him do yeah. that. Yeah. With, with people, especially if they're struggling for breakthrough in their conscious life, but they are desperate for it and asking God for it. I've seen him sometimes do it in their dream world. It's fascinating. Yeah. It, it really was because remember, I was having dreams of violently yeah. assaulting another human being, and I needed God to heal yeah. my mind the part of my mind I was aware yes. of, and the part of the my mind that I. Even. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Right. So right. good. Um, so it, during this time, the Lord had, had grown the youth ministry, and there was this culture of soul healing among young adult leaders who were in their college years or young working years, uh, among the students. There was a sense of safety that you could talk about your stuff and that you'd be loved and you would you would uh would meet Christ at a deep level. And during that time, God started all of a sudden just bringing in all these fatherless kids. And here we in a, are in a suburb, you know, of Columbus and God's bringing in all these broken kids. Some are suicidal, many are fatherless literally or have a next to zero relationship mm. with dad. And so one night, I'm having one of my you know, uh, not so pretty conversations with God. Mm. And we're wrestling on, Lord, what do you want me to do with these kids? I mean, I'm going through this stuff myself right, right now. Right. And this is the passage he uh, brought to my attention. And it's like I hadn't read it before. I know I have, but it's it's like I I was reading it for the first time. Mm. I love that he'll do that with a word too. Yes. Yeah. I love well, that. Yeah. It's like a, a blinking neon sign that said uh, in Psalm 68, four through six, Praise his name, praise the Lord, uh, sing praises to him who rides the clouds, father to the fatherless, defender of widows, 
This is God and in whose dwelling is holy. Wow. God places the lonely in families and he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. And I thought, oh, okay, Lord, now I get it. Like, I don't have to have it together. You've been trying to tell me that all along, <laughs> that it's not about me. Um, so it, it, it was a process. And thank God that my, my, my dad, through years of uh, the Lord healing me, we have a great relationship. Uh, now he would probably call me his best friend. He's since turned incredible. from a lot of that sin. And although it's cost him deeply. Um, so I, I think what the Lord was doing in me is once I got to the point where God was my true father, mm-hmm. after he refathered me, then I could I could love my dad, not needing him to become something he wasn't. Yeah. Just love him right where he's at. And I have to say, Tammy, this is a miracle. I mean, an absolute miracle. Yeah. Uh, I have no anger towards my dad. There's no, um, I mean, I have truly forgiven him from a soul level. That is something only God can oh, do. Oh, absolutely. Only the spirit of the living Christ inside us yeah, can absolutely. do that for us. That's incredible. That's incredible. And so while you're pausing there for just a second, I'm just so reminded about my own story. And like I said, I, I love the fact that God had you use the word refathered because that is what many of us need. And I'm just going to add a finer point to that. Um, so don't know if you remember, but uh, my mother left when I was 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was motherless for many years. And of course, my father was going through all that he was going through trying to deal with the reeling from that blind side. And I will say this, this is the bottom line for me. God has been an incredible father and mother Amen. to me. Amen. I feel like God has, yes, refathered me. He has mothered me, which is a weird and wild concept for people since, you know, the male gender pronoun is used to go, of God a lot. But the reality is that I have seen him and experienced him bring things to my into my life, communicate things to me in ways that I know that is literally the heart of an incredible, loving, unconditional parent, Mm -hmm. what my heart most longs for. And so for somebody out there who may be listening, maybe today this idea of God is looking to show you how he is a father different than your worldly father, or he is mothering you in ways and nurturing you in ways that your soul is longing for. Maybe for you to begin to say to God, I want to have eyes to see that. I want to have eyes to see you refathering me. I want to have eyes to see you mothering me, God, in the ways that my soul longs for and that no human's going to do on this earth because those people didn't do it and that time has passed. You know, and I think when it comes to other people uh, and how they fit into this picture, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody could ever replace your dad, my Mm -hmm. mom. Nobody can ever do that. But he will bring people that are kind of alongside that deficit. They can help touch that need. They can help be a conduit of very similar stuff, Mm -hmm. even though they can't be that person. And so I think it's important for us to have the right expectations of people and to realize that some of us are going to go through life with, I don't know how to say it, a gaping hole (laughs) or even just an unfilled cup, so to speak, of what we should have gotten in our developmental years and we didn't. And that's not going to be replaced or filled this side of heaven. God will bring 
people and situations and mostly himself around it to help that wound not be so massive inside you. And I think maybe that's one of the messages here is that help us, God, to see ways in which you father us and mother us and bring people alongside, not in place of, but alongside to help touch those places. Yeah. So for me, it's just been powerful to hear you, a male, discuss the real life soul wound of abandonment. And your story does keep going, correct? Yes. Yes. There, uh, Tammy, it, it, it very much did. Uh, you mentioned how God brings others into our life. Well, uh, uh, a mentor and friend that God brought into my life was my father-in-law. Uh, yes. I mean, my, I, I loved oh. him to death from day one. Oh. You know, I met Becky at 17 and him and I hit it off. Very godly man, got audited three times for how much he gave to ministry and missions. Yeah. <laughs> Drove a car with a hole in the bottom to and from work, although he could have bought a new car every year. He had a very good job. And he would put on his little Awana vest and take my kids no and their way. friends to Awana every single week. Oh, I'm going to get emotional. That's incredible. It just such a great dad. And uh, I mean, so, truly made Jesus and his family uh, number one and number two. And uh, wow. he, he died a handful of years ago of cancer, 15 months from diagnosis to death. And uh, once again, it, it felt like, Lord, are you kidding me? A uh, few years after that, my nephew, who I was really a, a father to, his father's out of the picture, uh, passed away at 21 years old the, oh. the day before his birthday. Lord Jesus. And you know what was different about it, though, Tammy? I'm still heartbroken. Hmm. And like you said, that I mean, the, the hurt from that is never going to go away. Right. There, there's always going to be scars. But now I know the Lord is for me, and he's with me, hmm. and he loves me. Zephaniah 3 tells me that he rejoices over mm -hmm. me with singing. If I could see his, or if we could see his love for us right now, we would be embarrassed. <laughs> you know, I picture, you ever seen two little girls who see each other yes. at school and they're just going crazy, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's honestly kind of scary for a mm. dad when my daughter was little, that, that the affection was like so loud and intense and, <laughs> And it was like, wow, how can you be that happy to see each other? And I, I believe that the Lord, that pales in comparison to, to how he celebrates us and sings over us. Thank you, so Lord. I know he's with me. I, I mean, I, I do feel, honestly, at times I feel a little knocked down. Mm -hmm. I feel tired because of those trials. Yeah. But I feel like kind of like what it says in 2 Corinthians when Paul tells the church there at Corinth, hey, you're, you're going through all this stuff so that you can comfort others. Yeah. Uh, this is what Christ did, and this is what you're called to. Your, your suffering matters. Yes. Every tear matters. Yep. Every bit of the heartache matters. Uh, it matters to God because you matter to him. Mm. And it also matters because there is a, a way that, there's a way in which I've been able to love people that, that I could have never, I could have never loved as deeply. I could have never loved as empathetically. Yes. Especially when it comes to losing someone when yeah. it seems as if it's not their time. Wow. Um, people are going through uh, sexual struggles. Mm -hmm. uh, all, all of those things. The Lord used all, has used all of it, um, uh, I think, to give me greater, greater grace. And I love it. And I love the fact, Chris, that you're willing to talk about 
you know, abandonment and all of these things yeah. by name, very straightforwardly. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's it's really interesting. You don't hear a lot of men, so to speak, yeah. talk about or name or discuss even this idea we're talking about, the fear of abandonment. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like for you to, do you mind taking a minute and just talk about that, like abandonment issues in males, kind mm-hmm. of how that plays out, what you've seen. Just talk to us about your experience there and what you see as you deal with people so often about this. Sure. Uh, all of us guys know we're the ones who uh, are the most attracted to screens. You know, we want to isolate. We don't necessarily want to converse oftentimes because we don't want to, to feel. Uh, and us men, we're the ones who commit most of the um, nasty stuff that breaks down families and destroys lives like adultery. You know, statistically, we're the ones that do that. And uh, uh, I think it's because there is this lie that all of us men feel that says, if I expose how I really feel, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be found out. And I, and and it's going to be confirmed that I don't measure up, that I don't matter, that I'm mm-hmm. a zero, mm-hmm. that I'm just pretending I'm a fake. Mm-hmm. But if I stay covered up, I can keep up this illusion, whatever that illusion is, whether it's athlete, businessman, great family man, whatever. You ask guys, and, 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 and I, of course, I'm in the same, was in the same boat. You ask a guy how he feels, most often you get an answer of, I'm fine. But then uh, us guys, you know, we, we, somebody cuts us off in traffic and that frozen rage just comes exploding out and a nice guy can start dropping F-bombs mm-hmm. and getting out of his car. And that, that's a, uh, I've been there. That, that uh, is, is typical for men. So uh, I think some of these outward displays of strength we use to protect ourselves are workaholism. Uh, obsession with hobbies like mm. sports mm-hmm. or TV or video games or sexual addiction, just something we can find that will make us feel strong so we don't have to feel vulnerable. Mm. Um, uh, and, and I think many of us believe this lie that I'm not worth protecting. And you alluded to this earlier, uh, Tammy, that there is a child in all of us yes. that we're trying to protect. And yeah. I think men fiercely protect that. Yes. Um, oftentimes, again, with anger. Uh, I would say every guy that I've had the privilege to talk with, regardless of his demeanor, personality, yeah, spiritual right. background, family background, uh, as we start to pray together, and I mean really pray, and the Lord brings out what he wants to bring out regarding uh, lies, that one comes out in one form or another every yeah, just about wow. every single time. Yeah. I'm not worth protecting. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, and so oftentimes for us guys, getting past that wall of anger that we put up to protect the more vulnerable, vulnerable emotion behind it, uh, uh, once we get to that place, then the Lord can really do, do his work. Yeah, that's huge. Well, thanks for talking about that. Oh, yeah. Huge. So, yeah, what would you say uh, to someone, male or female right now, who's been impacted by this idea of abandonment or even been impacted by a portion of your story? How would you encourage him or her to kind of proceed, if you will, Chris? Yes. Well, if you're anything like me, 
you're very good at coping. You've had a whole lifetime <laughs> of developing various coping mechanisms. And the important thing is to act. Forward momentum. Don't feel like you have to have the perfect plan or read the perfect gift or, or perfect book, rather, or talk to the perfect person. Uh, take whatever step the Lord is putting in front of you. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, take advantage of it. It could be a pastor that you talk to. It could be, uh, I mean, you're listening to Tammy's podcast here, and she's got a treasure chest of resources on her website, books, conferences you can go to, uh, uh, and many other steps that you could possibly take to move forward. So don't, don't even waste time. Just assume if the Lord's put it in your path, and it's a good God-honoring thing that's related to uh, soul healing and going deep with God so that you can experience his joy. Take that step. Oh, that's so good. And I and I want to put the caveat on there that I always put, which is something is always better than nothing, mm-hmm. right? If you if you listen to even you know five minutes of this podcast, it's better than none. If you read one verse today, it's better than none. If you pray one little prayer today, it's better than none. Like just whatever. That's so good. Just mm-hmm. just forward momentum. That's a good picture, Chris. I like it. Yeah, and so. I know you're very pastoral and I know your heart just oozes for people that are going through things. So what's one thing that you would want to say to anyone listening about what they're going through in general, abandonment or rejection or betrayal, or even just surviving COVID and what it's done to all of us in terms of facing the unknown and uprooting our our lives and the cadence of our lives. Anyhow, what would you want to say to somebody about what they're going through? Let's say, first off, the Lord's heart breaks for you. Uh, he keeps the, the word says that he keeps track of your tears in his bottle. He knows everything you've done. And he knows all the stuff maybe that you're not so proud of that you're going to do. And he loves you as much as he could possibly love you, more, more than anybody else could possibly love you right now, even in light of those things. And every, every emotion, every heartbreaking experience you've had, every struggle that you're walking through right now, all of that is precious to God. He cares about your, your trials, your struggles, your emotional pain, your heartache, he cares more about that and more about your suffering than you do. Hmm. And he's going to give you a way out. Thank you, Lord. He is. He's going to. You're listening right now, right? He wants to give you a way out. Hmm. And if you feel stuck right now, he'll start building faith monuments in your life just like he did in mine. Hmm. It won't be pretty. Hmm. But you'll be able to look back and say, man, now I actually know God. I have experienced him mm-hmm. changing me, and I know for a fact it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so reach out, take advantage of whatever's right in front of you, and please don't isolate. Mm-hmm. I know we're in a season where isolation yeah. is, yeah. is wow. the name of the game, but grab a phone, get online. Talk to somebody you know who loves Jesus. Don't don't suffer by yourself. Yeah, that's good. And I know that you have mentioned about, um, you know, very practically also, just get out your Bible, right? Mm-hmm. 
to Google verses about the love of Christ and just keep going after those verses about God's love and God's presence with us. I think you you said to me, let those massage the kinks out of your soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wrote that down because I loved it because yes, it's so yes. true. Massage is like, you know, deep tissue massage is like, it's tough, it's intense, and it requires a pretty hearty application of strength. And mm-hmm. I think, and that's the truth when we do that with scripture, that is how some of these deep, deep places get touched and healed is by continue, the continuous, strenuous application of Scripture to those places of hurt and those wounds. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, Chris, your heart just oozes. I'm praying that whoever has been under the sound of your voice here today, that there's a sense where God is reaching to him or her and allowing him or her to feel hope, to sense hope, to feel that there is a hope rising and so uh, to that end, we want to pray together. And I just want to remind everybody, Hebrews 13, 5 says, He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. Our God will not abandon you. He will not abandon you. And Chris, I, I love when you pray. So would you be willing to you know, uh, pray us out here today? And I just want to say thanks so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, yeah, Tammy. You are this, such a joy. This is a, a true, true gift. And it's going to bless many, many people. Uh, Lord, we we thank you that we're not alone. Mm-hmm. We thank you that you didn't leave us alone, but you left us with a counselor. Mm. And not just any counselor, the counselor, who knows exactly right. how and when to bring out those things in us that are keeping us from uh, the abundant life you, Jesus. That, you'd want, that you want for us. So, Lord, I pray that if, if this is one of those times in, in someone's life who's listening right now where Lord, they feel your tender hands pushing on a sore mm. spot in their soul, mm. Lord, I pray that they would say yes. Yeah. They would say yes, yeah. that, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I don't mm. really know how to trust you, Lord. I really don't know how to trust anyone, maybe. But Jesus, would you would you trust on my behalf? Mm. I pray, Lord, that that ones out there who are struggling would not pray in terms of, Lord, please help me fill in the blank. Yeah, right. But Lord, please mm. be for me. Yes, Lord. Purity. Please be for me healing. Mm. Please be for me wholeness. Lord, please teach us trust. Mm -hmm. Trust in you, dependence on you. Lord, we thank you. We don't have to do it on our own. We don't have to grow on our own. Mm -hmm. Lord, we we really have have to trust and obey. And I, I pray that you would build such a deep dependence in all of our hearts on who you are and what you say to us in your word. Lord, and I uh, pray that there would be uh, a step, however small or big, that we all take as a result of uh, your tender care for us during this time. Thank we pray you. this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Chris, thank you. Thank you, Tammy.